Hi, everyone. Welcome. Thank you so much for joining us for the Maxa video podcast. I am so thrilled for today's episode. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry for my voice. I'm getting over a cold, but I didn't want to reschedule because I'm so pumped that Phoenix made the time because she's so busy and she's so phenomenal and fantastic. And I'm beyond honored that we have her here. So without further ado, welcome. Hi, I love the compliments. Just keep them coming. They just fuel my day. So thanks. No, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for asking me. Thank you so much. I'm I'm thrilled to hear what you have to what you have to tell us. Um, we have we usually have some of our friends that join live. So if you're comfortable, we can take a few questions at the end as yeah, well. Let's do it. Um, but I always like to do that uh, for my for my guests here. Instead of me trying to cover your history, I would love if you can spend five minutes telling us about you and uh, anything that you think is relevant for us to know. Yeah, yeah. This is the worst part for me because I hate talking about myself, but I also realize it's so important for us to get to know each other. Uh, so my name is Phoenix. I'm actually based in California. And um, yeah, my, my whole journey started as a model, actually. So when I was modeling, I learned the back end of supply chain, as well as being on the runway, being in front of the camera, and I was fascinated with the business. However, I was actually on track to be a doctor. My whole family, they're all doctors. I went to pre-med, I did all of that, and quickly realized that's just something I don't want. That's also my roommate in the back. That's <laughs> something that I absolutely don't want to do. It was just not right for me. So as I was kind of aimlessly bouncing around, I actually got this incredible internship opportunity at a creative agency. And at that time, creative agencies were on the boom. Like they were the thing, right? So I went in, I was not paid. I was paying for parking with only $10 in my bank account every week. And that $10 went to parking and I was grinding. And I was like, I'm going to make sure I get a full-time position. And I was able to do so and was able to work with Nike, Adidas, uh, you know, Topshop, Coach, all these incredible companies from a PR perspective, all the way down to production. But I was still hungry. And I didn't get satisfied with it because, it, you know, you, you did all these really great pop-up shops, but you didn't know what revenue was coming in from your efforts. There was nothing tangible there for me. So uh, I ended up leaving and going to Supra Footwear which is a skate-centric, yeah. Do you know Supra? I do. That's awesome. Awesome. Yeah, so they uh, they were bought out by K-Swiss Global Brands and K-Swiss. So I actually worked alongside the K-Swiss team, built some great relationships there, left because I wanted and I had a heartbeat for small businesses because I was like, this seems like a challenge too. Let's try this. So really bouncing around, figuring it out until I learned about paid social. And I didn't know anything about paid social. I didn't know what, what it meant. I was like, okay, but I have a creative background and, and how do we impact like the, the train of thought and branding. And when I learned about the data component, I was hooked. And I don't know if you're like me and I feel like everybody in our space has an extreme personality. You just hook them in and then you won't stop. Exactly. And, it's just yep. that mindset, like what can we achieve with this? I feel like that's, that's key. Exactly. So a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of learning what acronyms were, a lot of just diving in until uh, iOS hit, iOS 14. And iOS 14.5 hit, which was even harder. I had lost our entire team and I was like, all right, we got to make it work. And I went on a basically a live on a Facebook group called, I'm just like blanking right now, Ad Leaks. And I was just like, hey, what are you guys doing? I saw this Wall Street Journal, A-B testing, you know, Android versus Apple. What are you doing? And it was literally crickets, Anna. Like nobody wanted to talk to me. No one cared. I'm a no name. And it's always like that because everyone wants to hold the secrets. And that's just not my MO. I always tell people what I'm doing. And Chad Wilton, who leads all of Affiliate World and AdWorld, messaged me on, on Facebook and was like, Hey, uh, do you want to get on a call really quick? I have a question for you. We spoke and he's like, all right, we want you to speak at AdWorld. And I was sitting there like, this is insane. Why would you want me to speak at AdWorld? Aww. So I spoke at AdWorld and then I ranked number three for the whole weekend, which was insane. And I was like in tears, like, what is this? And I still have it here. I have the poster with my name on it next to Seth Godin. And I literally printed it. Cause I was like, this is just absolutely surreal. And then they asked me to speak at Affiliate World. And then it kind of picked up there. Did AdWorld again ranked high and then did Geek Out. And it just hasn't stopped. And in that time frame, 
Um, I actually built a platform with first party data tracking because of iOS 14.5, because there wasn't a solution that I liked, we built one. So now I've transitioned over from being a director of paid and organic social, and now I have my own platform. So it's a long intro, but I think it's important to kind of know the journey and where we're at and just being humble to be around in the space. That is, that is so helpful. And oh my gosh, I mean, everything you've accomplished, I had no idea about your background from being a model, then, you know, uh, a doctor, I could see you do both. And I, I, I know you, you would crush in anything that you would do. I appreciate but, my brother and sister are both doctors. They can do it. So we're good. Fantastic. Yeah. You know, in, in Romania growing up, uh, it was either you were, you know, on the, it, it, there were only a few possible jobs, right? You were either a doctor or a lawyer or a professor, maybe yep. an engineer. That was it. Like no one, even up, even now, like if you're an entrepreneur is like, uh, but you're not really a lawyer or a doctor. So yeah. what are you doing with your life? And uh, like what? I was on billboards. I was on billboards and like was killing it in modeling. And my mom's like, so what were exactly. you doing? Because I, I wasn't smiling. a doctor. I, I, I am smiling because my brother is a professor and, you know, I'm just an entrepreneur, right? It doesn't matter how many, <laughs> how many cool magazines or conferences. It's like, yeah, but, you know, the expectations of society, but yeah. uh, I would, I would love to learn more about Facebook because a lot of our um, affiliate product owners, everyone uh, is trying to run ads. Everyone is trying to do more with Facebook. So any insight you have for us, um, you know, and <coughs> sorry, guys, um, and about, uh, about data, I it would be so helpful for us to learn from you because uh, – this is new to us, right? As a network, we're really good when it comes to native ads. You, that's why you always hear me talk about native ads. A lot of our affiliates do email traffic, YouTube. They also do Facebook, but it, it hasn't been um, the biggest traffic source for us. So I think even if you are not an affiliate yourself because you understand Facebook, you can give us a lot of tips and what we should be focusing on in 2023. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing is, too, is that Facebook should be a huge traffic driver, right? And if you're not investing in it, like, let me help be a resource to answer those questions in the interim. So, yeah, I'm here as a resource. And I think the number one thing we wanted to talk about today is first party data. And that word is so weird right now because people are like, what does that mean? And I don't want to know. You know, Nobody wants to learn something new. It's always hard. Like you're in your ways and you don't want to learn. And that's what started my career. So I hope that encourages everybody that if you do something different, it probably will work or sometimes it won't work. And for us, first party data has been everything uh, in Facebook. So if you aren't using a first party data attribution tool, you're going to lose in Facebook in 2023. And the reason why is because there are so many data restrictions, data security restrictions, um, iOS 14, all the way to the 14.5 and above updates basically took away your ability to track accurately. And for us, it was a little bit different because in the beginning we're like, oh my gosh, we can't track accurately. Well, we found out very soon you weren't tracking accurately ever, ever. So it was kind of a, whoa, wait a minute. And that's, I think is a beautiful part of when I came into the space because it was a whole new platform anyway. So it's like the wild, wild west. But just to take it back a few steps, people were like, okay, 14, 14.5, what does that mean? And the three main things I always like to point out that happened was number one, three-day delay. So Anna, you buy something on the shop on, let's just say, you know, your website, I buy a course. It tells Facebook that you bought that course three days later. So for people like myself that want to scale to the moon, that want to put hundreds of millions of dollars into ads, you can't do that accurately if the delay data is there. Yeah, it's gone. And it's really yeah. sad. The next component is the attribution window. So attribution just means how long something took and from where. Uh, I teach at a, so I can tell your brother, I teach at a, at a university as well, um, digital marketing. And I always try to simplify it. It's like attribution is from where within what amount of time. So was it from Facebook and how long did it take for that time or for that lead? So for us, for example, it used to be 28 day click, seven day view in Facebook. Mm -hmm. So within 28 days of clicking or seven day view, Facebook got credit. 
Wow. That's gone. Got it. It got shortened to seven day, click one day view. So those were like two main things. And the last thing I'll say is going to be, um, so you've got that. The last part is missing data. So if you go into your ads, all the data is missing. Your revenue is missing, but it'll say you have five orders. It'll say, oh, here's all your revenue, but there's no orders. So you're not able to trust the platform anymore of what it's doing. And then you're going, I can't spend my client's money in here anymore. I can't spend my own money here anymore. I don't feel right. comfortable. So those were the three main things that happened during the update. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I, I mean, we knew some of it and like, uh, especially the compliance aspect, right? Because our affiliates had a lot of um, trouble with the compliance aspect, but I figured it has to be more. And the attribution, the way you explained it makes the most sense to me. And I love that because people always assume when they talk to someone else that's doing really well in our space, they assume we know everything about everything. God, no, God, no. I mean, if we talk about native ads, I will nod and understand. But when it comes to Facebook, it's all new, right? So thank right. you so much for explaining that uh, beautifully. Um, but okay, so what can we do now? Is there a tool? I, I think you told me about a tool that you're using that really helps you. Uh, can you talk more about that? Yeah, so with all those issues, a lot of people jump ship. A lot of people are like, I don't want to be on Facebook anymore. I'm not going to spend money here. So what that actually did was freed up a lot of advertising inventory. So what does that mean, right? So that just means that it used to cost a lot more for ads to be on Facebook. And I feel like because a lot of people jump ship, that gives you an opportunity. So that doesn't mean to leave Facebook. Don't leave Facebook. It's so profitable. But you need a tool to be able to attribute, right, to give credit to your work. So like I said, we created our own platform. And I'll show you that platform because it's really, really important. But first party just basically means you own the data. Basically, all the purchase data that comes to your website, you own it. So it's accurate. And you own it and you can use it for lifetime value purposes. You can retarget with it. Everything is so much more accurate and at your fingertips. And it fits legally. Yeah, so this is that platform that I'm speaking to. So for example, let's see if I can zoom in. All right, so for example, and this is my platform, Ad Beacon. I'm not going to lie to you. This is mine. Um, what's cool is that your reported revenue in Facebook is always going to be very inflated. And the reason why is there's something called view attribution. And I talked about billboards. So you pass by billboards all the time. And who's to say you didn't buy that perfume from the billboard because of billboard? But the reason why that's not really a fair way to look at data is because how are you supposed to know that that's the case unless you have a coupon code, unless you have like a phone number that tracks, right? There's no way to know. So that's the view attribution from Facebook and there's no validity behind it. So our platform only tracks clicks. We only say, okay, we're only gonna track clicks. So that inflated number is view. You'll see that a 6.14 return on ad spend is what Facebook's saying. We're mm -hmm. saying no, it's a 2.69. Now, could you imagine you had a 7.87 return on ad spend and you're pumping all this money, but you're actually almost at a two? Wow. That's detrimental to your business. Absolutely. So in our platform, it's kind of cool. You can actually increase, decrease budgets. You can actually do all your optimization here. But the part that I want to show you is so important is the customer journey. So it's really important for affiliates to know this too, is let's just say uh, Patrick Merg. I'm not going to even say his name. That's really good. <laughs> so this is a very easy, clean customer journey. Mm -hmm. He started on the 19th of December. And this is the exact campaign, exact ad set and ad name from Facebook. And then he came back through referral. He bought this product with this code. And this is his contact information. But let's just say James Gillum, because it's usually not that clean. Oh, these are very clean. This is very rare. <laughs> a lot of the times there's like, 15 touch points. So this is a better one. Started on paid search in Google and started going up all these clicks. Okay. Another campaign from Google, a campaign from Facebook, and they bought two things. Here's their contact information. So there's proof. I love that. Wow. It's really fun. And it also takes you to the order page. And again, like I said, there's privacy and there's also mm -hmm. um, a lot of things that you cannot share. So obviously all their information, shipping, et cetera, is hidden, but you know that there's proof behind 
what you're doing. And that was the main thing we were missing during iOS. So that was the really cool thing that we brought to the table. And we were also able to bring out that attribution window. So remember I told you it was only seven days within right. Facebook. You can do 28 days and this client has over 90 days worth of data. So you can bring in 90 days and it tells you what that data looks like in a longer time. Yeah, so it's cool. You need, whether it's this or another tool, you need it to be able to make better decisions or else you're just gonna be throwing money at the at the trash. That's really what you're gonna be doing. I agree, I agree. And and I'm, I mean, with native ads, we've been seeing the same trends. If you don't find, and if you don't use the correct tools, it's really hard to scale and it's really hard to make things profitable. And um, especially in 2023, I remember after the iOS update, uh, everyone was saying how affiliate marketing is dead. You know, everyone was like, don't run ads on Facebook. And obviously, numerous super affiliates ended up doing very well with Facebook because they were trying to find tools to help, you know, themselves. And uh, I think you're saying the same thing. And I think we can still be very profitable with Facebook if if we use the right tools because it's things are a bit different now yeah so like i completely agree with you i think the issue too is that a lot of people are just using facebook data and of course i was one of them for a very long time you want to trust what you're looking at unfortunately that's not going to reflect on the shopify side or whatever your storefront is and you're going to whether or not you are a brand whether or not you have clients as an agency people are going to say, I'm going to go somewhere else. People are not going to stick with you because they're not seeing the results at the end of the day. You could be showcasing a full return on ad spend on Facebook. And you're like, look, I'm doing a great job, but it doesn't reflect in the end in your storefront. And that's all that matters, right? So this is going to reflect in that storefront. That's a beautiful point because we've, I mean, we've dealt with agencies too, not just affiliate traffic on our own offers because we create BSLs like health, beauty, uh, fitness offers. And uh, many times we would hire an agency, especially when we, when we got started and they would always tell us, but look like the, the numbers look so good. And we, you know, uh, my, uh, my operations manager would always explain, well, we're losing money. How can that be good? Right. Right. And I understand that, you know, when, when you're building a brand and I could understand the agency really thinking things are good, right? Because they were getting us information and information on the customers. But at the end of the day, we can be the nicest people. We can work with an agency if they don't bring us results. Like if we're not going to be profitable, that, that's, that's really paramount. I 100% agree with you. Like, I believe as marketers, as, okay, I would say this, not just marketers, there's hundreds of thousands, if not millions of marketers out in the world. But it's our responsibility to think from a entrepreneur's perspective, like you, Anna, versus an employee perspective. Employee perspective goes, look at my numbers, I'm doing so good. And entrepreneur perspective goes, this is how our shop is doing overall. This is our MER, this is our return on blended. This is our AOV, are you profitable? You know, are you within your your cost of revenue percentage? Where are you? And are our fees too high for you? Because then they'll stay with you and they want to be with you forever. But if you don't have those metrics readily available, you're already losing. So Absolutely. I agree with you. So I, uh, I've noticed um, you were at Geek Out recently. And yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you talked about, you know, the same topics or they got to listen to anything else. Yeah. So we talked about, what did we talk about? We talked about scaling. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday is my favorite time of year. Like that's, I, like I said, we are extreme personalities <laughs> and I love scaling. And I also love speaking, you know, Nick and I, Nick Shackelford and I really have a heartbeat about leadership and what that means. And sometimes it's not always the same and sometimes it is. And we talk about like, how do we scale differently? And my biggest thing is structure. So I talk about every single Facebook ad account needs to have structure and it needs to be very well organized in order for you to scale to the moon. If you're just throwing things at the wall and hoping they stick, which a lot of marketers do, you're going to lose, right? First party and a disorganized account is bad. I had an account that was spending over $200,000 a day in ad spend on Facebook and I had to open up four different tabs to see what they were doing because it was so disorganized and they were losing and it just didn't make any sense. So we talked about that. We talked about different scaling techniques. Of course, we talked about first party because Nick and I agree first party is the only way. Um, and then we just talked about like results. 
because my thing is always showing case studies and proof. But yeah, that's what we spoke about. That's a big, big yeah, excitement. I, um, I wanted to ask because I, I really think highly of Nick also. I always enjoy his uh, his uh, chat, you know, every time he speaks. And it just brings me so much joy when I see brilliant people in the space finding each other and like doing things together. I'm really rooting for that. That's fantastic. Um, scaling, I love that. So besides having structure and an organized, you know, campaign, what else would your advice be for people that are really looking to scale? Yeah. So how you scale is really important. My methodology is always starting with a campaign budget optimization, like campaign structure, as well as ad set budget optimization. So you have ABO and CBO. Um, good. I'm glad I'm seeing the comments coming through. So that's exciting. But yeah, so an ABO and a CBO campaign is really important when you're ready to scale during like Black Friday, Cyber Monday. You know, I still love utilizing the algorithm to see what's working and what's not working. Of course, use your first party to back it up. And then the ABO is there for you to scale aggressively. So once you know what's going on in CBO, you can duplicate in ABO. But if you have both already running, you can do it at a faster pace. So most people will tell you, okay, scale 20% every three days. And that is what I call very moderate scaling. Now, aggressive scaling is, for example, I have three ad sets and all of them are at $100 a day and they're doing extremely well. And then within two hours, I see that they're doing well. And whatever your metrics is for wealth, you duplicate it times two. So now it's 200. And then you duplicate it from that duplicate. So now it's 400 and beyond and beyond and beyond. And we do that very aggressively because my heartbeat is how you scale forward is just as important as how you scale back. So let's just say things don't do well or the promotion period is over. You need to be able to pull back without completely disrupting the account, without just <laughs> running money through the door. So the ABO CBO structure for me is extremely important. And if it's not clean, you're, it's it's going to be a mess, right? So that's kind of the aggressive scaling structures. And I have a full blueprint, which I'm happy to share with anybody. That's fantastic. I love that. No, it, the more I listen to you speak, it all makes sense, right? How how good you're at everything that you do. It's uh, it's incredible. That's it's very sweet. I appreciate that. I'm just I'm just here. <laughs> no, I know. For you, you know, everything that you're sharing for you is just common sense. But everyone else is like, whoa, okay, that's you know. That's a big deal, right? For you to share uh, the small things that, that that you do every day. All right, beautiful. Now, uh, tell me a bit about this year. Any projects, any conferences, where you're heading? What are the big plans for you in 2023? This year has been such a blessing. I am still in shock, right? So I get to be blessed on this podcast. Uh, I will be speaking through Geek X and probably a couple more through the Geek Out circuit soon. But Geek X, I believe, is on the 21st of January through their platform. Um, I will be also speaking at Affiliate World Dubai, which is exciting. Represent them females. I need to see you there, Anna. And yeah. then <laughs> I'll also be speaking um, at another conference called ACS, which is in Newport Beach. And then we'll also be doing, <laughs> this is a little crazy, I've also been invited to go to Morocco for another conference. So it's an exciting time, but this year I'm really focusing on the business and I fully transitioned out of my role as a paid director, paid social director into full-time being the CEO of this platform. And I wanted to build a community top down and build something for the marketer first, rather than just the, you know, the big wigs and the higher ups. I wanted to build something for the marketers because I am one at the heart of everything. So that's kind of where my trajectory is for this year and hopefully some really cool partnerships in the works, but that's it. I mean, I just, I want to just hang that. out. <laughs> I love that. Do you plan to hire? That's always a question because I remember when I got started, it was so hard and it's still very hard finding the right people, but do you plan on hiring more? What's your, what's your approach? And if you thought about hiring an HR manager, yeah, so we actually have HR already in place, which is really helpful. We utilize something called ADP. Uh, ADP in the U.S. is very helpful for us, and it streamlines that. So this is the second time I've used ADP in my career, and I really trust them, and they give great legal advice. They're, they cover all the bases, right, especially for your manager. So if you're an entrepreneur and you need 
uh, like ADP is great because they have trainings there. And then they also have the insurance to cover you in case something were to happen. And it's pretty, pretty hefty insurance too. Um, it's amazing. Yeah. And then on the second note for hiring, absolutely. We want to expand our team. Just the, the trajectory of what I see is going to be, I want mass adoption. So we're giving our platform at such a great rate on purpose rather than pricing it per client. We price it per portfolio of business or book of business. So, and we price it off of your spend, not your revenue, because that's usually the cut that you take anyway, depending if you're an agency. So um, in that, I want more sales reps. I want more, and I want the sales reps to be advertisers. I don't want just sales reps. I want people who are in it that understand it. So if that's something of interest, I a hundred percent, we also have an affiliate program with it. Anna and all the people like you got to teach me more about affiliates, but yeah, that's also uh, an opportunity for others to kind of spread the word. That's fantastic. I love that. And uh, I'm going to look up the U S company that you were telling me about. I made a, I definitely made a note. Okay. Beautiful. So now let's look at the other side when on let's on all the ads and all the different campaigns and everything that you're seeing on uh, Facebook campaigns, it could be for your clients or in general, what are some of the products that you think are going to be relevant in 2023? And I know we don't always think about that because for us, we try to make work what what we're supposed to, if that makes sense. As you right. know, our job is to make this product look good on Facebook, then we focus on that. But I do think there are a few niches, at least, if not products that are relevant. And if you have seen anything that does uh, well and you think it's going to be doing even better this year. Yeah, so I have this principle that if you don't like it, no one else is going to like it, right? You have to take it from a user standpoint first and then come in. And that's really important. A really good way for you to get a pulse on that is to go on TikTok, actually, from the organic standpoint and see virality, what does well organically, and then double down on that with advertising. Now, another thing that I'm seeing in this space is obviously products that have purpose. So we've been seeing a lot of trend reports, not only from Instagram, trend reports all across from different platforms that, you know, the next generation only cares about sustainability, perceived sustainability, let's just be honest, perceived sustainability, uh, perceived acceptance, and something that has a political backing to it which is kind of funny because it's like all the no-nos of what I grew up with, the things you'd never touch, are the things that they care about. Right, so products that, for example, there's a a new client that has, uh, for women, they're basically period products that are reusable. And it's 100%, you know, for the planet, but also for like the female's comfort, it also gets the price point down for women and feminine products. So if that's the case, that brings it up to the forefront. That's incredible. Those are the types of products I see rising because they have a story and it's very easily digestible. So to answer your question, I think a little bit more succinct is products that you can tell the story within five to 10, 15 seconds that you get it, you understand it. They're products with purpose and they hit the check marks of sustainability. Also small business, if possible. And um, helping, helping the world, having some type of impact that makes you feel good. So that's what I would say. I love it. I I obviously agree. And uh, I think a lot of the products that are going to be very successful, I've noticed a lot of the big brands always, um, you know, how you mentioned uh, the feminine product. um, That's something that can be targeted, that can be targeted to areas of the world and I think you know for most people as they are successful as they make money and as they build their empires they have this need to give back and what better way to give back but through products that's going to help everyone in the world right Absolutely. it sounds cheesy but I've been seeing it so much the last few years where people try to invest in products like um, water bottles that self-clean or that can help uh, you know exposed the microbes in areas of the world where they don't have access to clean water. So yeah, it's, it's exciting times. I, I, I know people tend to be gloom after what happened the last few years with the pandemic and, you know, it wasn't all great. However, I think we forget we do live in the safest time when it comes to 
our evolution as a species, right? We're going to be living for a long time. We're going to see brilliant things change. And I'm honestly very excited about the future. And uh, I am too. I think with every, I, like this is my biblical references, but with every bad thing, like something beautiful comes through, right? And for me too is like, you know, my name, my, I'm Chinese, right? That's the name is like the phoenix that comes from the ashes, not to be cheesy, but like, I truly believe that is that with like every bad thing that comes, good things will grow and fertilize and, and become something great. And unfortunately, obviously we, a lot of lives were lost, a lot of doom and gloom, but you know, usually they're the catalyst of some great things. It also shifted a lot of people's perspectives on what matters. So I think the products are going to be a lot more meaningful. They have impact. So I think it's only going to get better from here. And then people like yourself, Anna, that are ethical advertisers are going to thrive. So I'm really excited for what this time is going to be like. Me too. Me too. You've mentioned, as you are, as you were telling us, uh, you mentioned TikTok. And um, <laughs> we're still at the age group where we're still, you know, cool. We hope to be. And uh, we, we tried all this different social platforms. But uh, we know Facebook is relevant. At their, there's so much money that we can make on Facebook. Um, we run a lot of ads on YouTube, right? You mentioned TikTok. Any other social platforms that you think are going to be relevant for us to monetize? Yeah, um, I would say TikTok is definitely... I, I was really teetering on Twitter for a while because Elon was bringing so much traffic, right? It's that old mm -hmm. LA in me that was like all... <laughs> all PR is good PR. It's not true. Um, but no, I don't see that being the case anymore. I was also looking at Parler for some time for a more conservative type of products too. And I see them flopping because they associated themselves with Kanye. And that's just a testament of who you associate yourself with will have very big impact. Um, but I think the two main beasts that will always remain are going to be TikTok and are going to be... Um, TikTok and as well as Facebook. Now there is a new app that came out that I think is going to be, uh, it's called Ad Beacon. I got a, I got the little chat. What's Ha's company? I'm guessing I'm the Ha. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, is called Be Real. So I wonder if they're going to start monetizing Be Real. The amount of users that are on that are really, really high. It's just a younger demographic. But I will still say that Facebook and TikTok will trump. Now TikTok is a tricky one in terms of monetizing. I think you should mm -hmm. always start with an organic strategy first. Um, very rarely do I see things thriving from a paid side, just because I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you it's incredible. I, have, I feel like maybe one out of every 10 advertisers have figured it out Yeah, or gotten lucky. Absolutely. Same with native ads. Same with native ads. I'm always so careful, especially when I speak about native ads, to underline how expensive it is to make it profitable. It's yes, beautiful. Yeah. Once once you hit a sweet spot and you understand the campaigns or you get lucky and that helps you understand how to make a campaign work, you still like we're looking at thousands of dollars spent. Right. So I'm so glad that you said that because we need to be honest. I mean, you can be very profitable in our industry. You can make a lot of money, but it's not as easy as everyone thinks. Right. It's not just Lamborghinis and, you know, our laptops on the beach for one hour a day. I still work 16, 18 hour days and I have a six year old. So could you imagine we're on the laptop for, I love those advertisements. It's like, do you want to work from your office on the beach for one hour? And I'm like, I made it and I haven't made it. What are you talking about? It like, this isn't, exactly. what is this? Yeah, it's not true. And also any great things that come take hard work constant hard work you don't see the most successful people in the world that you hopefully look up to stop working that's not how it is and even if they're not working let's just say in the business they're working on the business they're mentoring people they're helping people grow they're sharpening their knife right iron sharpens iron like there's no Always. stopping to it Always. yeah kudos I, to you though anna i agree i agree thank you anna you know it's uh I remember I had a conversation. I'm a millennial. I'm a millennial. I'm from 86. You know, I'm 36 years old this year. And I had a beautiful conversation with uh, with someone, uh, uh, Gen, Gen X, right? And then Gen Z. And I've noticed like a lot of differences. And the younger generation, um, they, they would always tell me, well, it's really not about working hard. It's about working smart. And I always tell them it's both. Obviously, you need to work smart because I do want to have, you know, 
a lot of money when I'm old to not have to, to work, right? Or I do want to afford great vacations to show my son the world, right? Obviously, you need to be smart. But I have not seen anyone that's actually very, very, like, profitable and has built an empire that has told me, you know what, it's true. I've only worked about a half an hour a day. And it just, I just happened to be that brilliant that everything worked out. So, and that's I, like, and I just want to be honest. I want to be honest because in our industry, you can make so much money. I have seen people that have quit their nine to fives and they can now afford to take their family all around the world. Great, great, you know, profits in our space. But every single one of those people work very hard. There are a few, you know, that make a lot of money quickly, but long term, that are people that are, you know, work hard and then with that money, they invest in themselves, right? Because obviously that's what I want to do to get to a point where I don't have to work all the time, right? We all right. do, but we need to be patient. It, it takes time. Yeah. The hard truth is that we want to be at a place where we don't work as hard, right? But in reality, I think some of the best and most successful people are the ones that are scared of losing it all. It's a little unhealthy, so they'll never stop working because they're chasing. They could have so much money in their bank, but they'll they'll be scared every single day they're going to lose it. And the responsibility only gets more and more like there's the pressure just starts to hit you. So, you know, it's a sliding scale. I've never met anybody who's just made a bunch of money and then just gave up. That's just not how it works. And again, the grind is important. Also, the people who work really, really hard are the ones that will continue to be successful. Yeah. You know that there's like the the lottery. Why do you think the lottery winners, a lot of them unfortunately commit suicide or something happens. They don't know what to do with all of that. I always say like, like dating. Dating's a perfect example. I have a bunch of girlfriends that are like, I want to find my husband right now. And I go, if your husband knocked on your door tomorrow, you wouldn't even know what to do with him because you're not ready. Right. So all that time, Anna, that you were working, I was working, everybody in the space is working, built you up to a place where you're able to know what to do with that money now with a very even keeled brain where you're going to invest it, et cetera. But if it just comes to you so quickly, you're not going to know what to do with it and it's going to be gone. So I think there's a trajectory on purpose of working really hard and then you get to where you go and then you appreciate it and it I tastes agree. better in the end. I love the metaphor though. I'm going to use that, the, the dating metaphor. That's brilliant. <laughs> All my friends are like, I want to get married. I'm like, no, you don't, not yet. <laughs> you don't know that's, what to do with it. Yeah. That's, that's that I love it. All right. So um, we talked, uh, you, I, I think this is a beautiful parenthesis. And this question is from me because I, I, I have a feeling I'm going to learn a lot from you also. Uh, when it comes to mindset, Right. I have been raised in Eastern Europe. Uh, it was still communist regime when I was alive. So uh, we tried and we evolved. But anyway, being raised in Eastern Europe, even though I went to the U.S. when I was 19 and, you know, long story short, it really shaped how I how I am as a human. And that wasn't always uh, a positive because uh, mindset or talking about how to better yourself was viewed upon as being silly. You just have to inherently be very strong. You know, I mean, you don't talk about your feelings. You don't talk about um, improving yourself. You just have to be inherently strong and period. But I love the work that I was able to do in myself. And I love when I can recognize that in other people. And I always ask brilliant people that I admire, are there any tips or tricks or anything you can tell us about how you worked on your mindset? And when I say mindset, it can be, you know, the skills that help you stay motivated every day, um, things that help you not take things personally, anything and everything, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. So very similar to yourself. I'm half Chinese, half Iranian. I mean, not similar in that aspect, but at least, you know, I didn't come from the American culture. So, you know, I, I did. I was born in the U.S., you know, and I grew up here. However, my grandparents didn't speak English and they raised me while my mom my mom came here when she was 16 during the Vietnam War um, by herself. Her whole family is completely displaced and put in different places. And she came here and she basically her plane was shot down um, when she was escaping. And then they escaped to an island. And then the U.S. naval ship came, brought them to Camp Pendleton. She was a refugee and she negotiated her way out. 
uh, with a family and said, if I give you this little piece of gold that I have, tell them that I'm a part of your family, get me out of here. And then I will never see you again. Because at that time, if she was alone as a female, she was beautiful. She would have been sold as a prostitute, right? There's just human trafficking aspect that we don't think about. So long story short, my mom went from not speaking English to becoming a millionaire by the age of 30. She sponsored her entire family to come back. She built businesses for them. She hustled. She did what she needed to do to get to the next degree, but she did it with a clear mind and with efficacy. So she had always taught me and my mind. And, and also too, like she had this romantic idea that a man is going to solve all of those issues because when she was, you know, in Vietnam, she saw all these American movies about these American men that were going to take care of her. And she quickly realized that wasn't the case. And, and let me just clarify something. Like I love men. I will always love men. But I also was taught the principles of being your own woman. So I was kind of in a toxic way taught never to let a man pay for me, never to let you know these things happen because I'm going to hold my own. And I think all those principles still stay with me to this day. Also, you know, men and women. Yeah. So seeing my mom have that success, I have no excuse but to be better. I love because that. I have all the opportunities. And, you know, I want to make her, I, I don't live to make her proud. I live to make me proud um, because she's already going to be proud of me. I know that I live to be, I, I live to build an empire for my family. So what does that come up with? I'm also a Christian. So a lot of principles come in of being a good person. Like, what does that mean? And how do I continue good relationships? How do I surround myself with people that are going to have the same drive, but also the same uh, principles in, in terms of like, who they want to surround themselves with. So again, when we're on client calls and when we're talking to people, um, there's also, there's this thing with me about respect. So it all is rooted in respect. If you don't respect me, then we're wasting our time. So to your point of being strong, yes, you have to be strong, especially as a female in the space. It's very easy to be talked over. Yes, very easy to be talked over, very easy to be told you don't know what you're talking about. And my mom always taught me, ask them why. And if you ask them why enough times, their argument disintegrates. <laughs> if, you, <laughs> if you push back a little bit, but in a nice way, everything will disintegrate. If you are sarcastic enough, like for example, Anna and I were talking about men in the space and misogyny and, and it is what it is. Like that's, that's how it works. I used to laugh and go, ha ha, that's funny. Now I just sit there and I go, I don't agree. And they're gonna go why exactly. and I go, I, same 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 good right because i just go i don't agree and you know like for example i had a, a conversation recently with a friend and he's you know making jokes about cheating on his wife like that's funny to me you know and i go i i can't relate you know i still am laughing about it. i go haha can't relate and he goes what do you mean i'm like i'm loyal right i'm a loyal person that's who i am down to the core so I think as you continue to step forward as a female, whether it's your business as a person, a person in general, you don't have to be a female, but your principles need to align and you need to put your foot in the sand and go, this is who I am. It has to be consistent. Like you can't be a shapeshifter in every environment. You have to be you and then the respect will come. So I don't know if that answers your question, but a lot of who I am stems from my mother. I'm very proud to say that. Oh, that's I, I would love to meet her one day. I think she's a force that's the she's best badass for sure yeah love that. the uh, the shapeshifter comment was nail on and beautiful and I think I you know I used to do that in my 20s I used to laugh when I was in you know uh, to be around guys because there were just so many men in most of the industries right and um again I believe in equal rights for everyone it's just personally you know I've noticed that it's okay to say what you believe in, as long as you do it with kindness, you're going to sleep so much better at night. So I'm, I'm so happy to hear you, you know, <laughs> confirm that, right? It just brings me joy. And uh, I don't think we're uh, mean, or we had this idea of women that when you speak up, uh, you know, even if you just voice your opinion, it, it was a negative. Women were supposed to be, you know, humble and to smile and just be not be harsh not to be, be too bossy or, or you're manly or you know 
you get it. But I think I think I think it's okay. And I've really have been seeing, you know, the last five years. I was telling Phoenix before we started the call. I am seeing the difference, and I am seeing beautiful, kind women just saying, "That's silly. That's not funny. Like I don't agree with that." And no one looks down on them because they are not trying to be mean or raise an argument. It's just they feel comfortable voicing their opinion. Right. It's also, I will give test, like, I will give a lot of credit to the men in the space now for lifting that up. You know, when I was oh, at yeah. Affiliate World, I had a really great, I don't know if you remember Hassan Anbar, but he's incredible, incredible human. Your and friend. before I even knew he was a speaker, I was <laughs> sitting with him at a, at a party and immediately he starts talking to me about his wife and his kids and how much he loves them and how she runs the house. And like, he's just happy to be there. And I'm sitting there just like, googly eye just so happy to hear this because it's refreshing right and all the men in the space they're like absolutely i did a poll so i did a poll yesterday on my twitter on my instagram and it was like hey uh it was because there was a picture of a politician recently a u.s politician that had their his child on his chest sling and like a sling and he was going to all of the speaker of the house meetings and and was there with his kid strapped and I was thinking to myself, like, I 100% expect to strap my baby on my back when I'm speaking at events. I think that's badass. I think that's cool. And I did a poll to ask, what do you guys think? Right. And I'm going to tell you right now, 90% of the votes that said that's badass were from men. And I was so excited to hear that because it's those types of advocates that are only going to help you be lifted to not look like harsh or a bitch or all these things. They're yeah. going to be like, no. And I will tell you, so you know Todor, because Todor was on your podcast. Of course, absolutely. And he doesn't even know this. This actually means a lot to me. We were in Dubai last year, and we were uh, driving back from the dunes. We were doing, like, the dune buggies. It was really fun. And one of the guys there, yeah, <laughs> one of the guys there was uh, saying something to me in a different language, and it was definitely sexual, right? Mm -hmm. And... Um, I didn't know that. And Todor stood up and yelled at him. It was like, how dare you? You do not speak to her that way. You can never call her that. And he like, I did not expect that. I just sat back because when I first met Todor, he was like rolling his eyes at me. He had no idea who I was. I had this giant luggage. He picked me up in a, a Rolls Royce. He's like, you're going to bring luggage into a Rolls Royce. I'm like, yeah. And I'm in the back of Dubai, just like laughing. And it went from him not knowing who I was to just standing up for me. And I don't need someone to stand up for me. But when he did do that, I see you and I appreciate you. And it's men like that that I really appreciate in the space that know when to step up and say something because you would never do that if roles were reversed. Absolutely. Imagine if I said something to a guy and like hypersexualized him. That's just weird. <laughs> it's so weird. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm uh, I'm having such a good time. So normally we keep the podcast like 30, 40 minutes, but I realized we've been doing this for 47 minutes. And now, because we're live, so now you have to agree, uh, you have to come back. You, we have to do this again to. on the podcast because we have so much to talk about. But just one more question, because I know a lot of our friends, they're so busy, they will be driving to work, listening to the podcast. A lot of the people just uh, scroll to the end of a podcast to hear the highlights. I used to do it too, especially when you're really busy. So let's pretend someone is going to tune in right now. Uh, you want them to have a few highlights about what you want them to take away from our conversation. So number one, do not jump ship from Facebook. It's still very profitable. I, I guarantee you this is where my bread and butter comes from. Number two, the only way for you to be profitable right now is to use a first-party data tracking tool. You can use my tool. There's many tools out there. However, I built mine for the marketer in mind. So I myself am a marketer. I myself do advertising and scaling. I use this because I built it selfishly for me. I check it out. Let me know what you think. Number three is scaling. There's so many different ways to scale, but the number one thing I want you to take away from it is structure your account appropriately. Make sure your attribution settings are all the same. Make sure you're putting yourself in a place that is setting you up for success to scale because once you start putting in all the intricacies of more money, duplications, all of that, if things aren't named correctly, if your funnel isn't built accurately and correctly, your frequencies are high, your entire account will flop and recovery will take months. 
It's not fair to you. So just be careful of that. And the last part is just be a good person. It, that's all it takes. Have you know efficacy in everything that you do. Don't be a shapeshifter in every conversation you have. If you believe in something, believe in it, and the respect will always follow. So I think those are the main points we hit. I love that, especially point number three. I'm a big softie. I know if, if people don't expect it, but it's it's how the the people in our space, the really cool people you see on stage, and you know the the really superheroes that build empires. At the end of the day, I can vouch and tell you that ninety percent of them are the type of humans that are so kind and loyal and are excited to do well, and they're excited to be good people. And those are the ones that are relevant. I mean, I've been doing this for almost eight years now, and I have all, like, through the years, there are people that come and go, but the ones that stay relevant are the good humans that are very excited to help other humans. I agree. I completely agree. I love it. All right. So one more question. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, chat, has some questions. I know you're very busy. So if you're comfortable giving us some information, maybe, you know, your whatever, whatever contact information you want, really. Yeah, you can you can hit me up on LinkedIn. It's just Phoenix Ha. Uh, you can find out about the company, which is my heartbeat. I've said it a million times on this podcast. It's adbeacon.com. Uh, you can also go on Instagram. It's just Phoenix Hog. Again, you can find me on any social platform, Twitter. I'm always going to respond. That's just my avenue. I'm on social media a little too often. Um, if you want to be scarred with fun content that is not related to advertising, you can follow me on TikTok. That's just some fun stuff that I do. Um, but if it really is heavy on what we do every single day, I would say probably Twitter, LinkedIn, or Instagram. I love it. And I promise everyone I'm going to do a tag on my Insta page and I'm going to tag Phoenix. So it will be super easy for you guys to just click and make sure you follow her. Well, thank you for having me. It's been an honor. It was so much fun. So thank you, Anna. And I'm so excited to have you back. Thank you. I appreciate you. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Maxo Video Podcast. If you are listening to us on Google or Spotify, please come back later to YouTube because I know it's always so helpful to put a face uh, with any big name in our space. And Phoenix Ha is definitely one of those big, beautiful names. And uh, thank you, everyone. We love you. We appreciate you. And thank you, Phoenix. You are amazing. Thank you.